You are listening to the weekly podcast of Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church in Millington, Tennessee. We pray you enjoy today's message. Our scripture this morning will be coming from Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 through 7. Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 through 7. God is a good God. God is a patient God. Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 through 7. When you have it, if you are able, stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God, Matthew chapter 18 verses 5 through 7 Matthew chapter 18 verses 5 through 7 verse 5 says and who's whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Amen. Amen. You may be seated on this morning. If you need a title, consider this title, going to see a man about a dog. If you need a title, going to see a man about a dog. In this particular chapter, we, we know that the disciples have asked of Jesus a question, who is the greatest among us. They were trying to figure out where they stack up, where they rank. Some of us in being children, you may have asked your parents or grandparents that question. You may have said, who is your favorite child? Because you wanted to know, how do I stack up with my, my siblings? Or how do I stack up with my cousins and things of that nature? I've even had a child or two to ask me, who is your favorite student? And just like Jesus, to answer that question would alienate some others. To answer that question would, would elevate one, but then it, as the word says, will be a stumbling block to some others. Well, I'm not going to do my work because that's your favorite student, so let your favorite student do all the work. Let your favorite student pay attention in class. I'm going to go to sleep. We're going to let your favorite student do everything that you need them to do. So if you elevate one, you immediately diminish the others. So therefore, Jesus, he, he couldn't answer the question which one of them was the best or which one of them was the greatest. So he, he showed them by example. He called a little child and he asked the child to come and sit in their midst. He said, whoever 
comes like this child, whoever is humble as this little child will be the greatest among you. But the world tells us something different. The world will tell us that whoever has the most money or whoever has the most awards or the most accomplishments or whoever has the greatest influence over people, that person is the person that is the greatest. But in the kingdom of God, God is saying the one that, that regards himself as not being better than another the one that puts themselves lowly and put others first and put God first that's the one of you that is the greatest in the kingdom of God so Jesus is teaching them that the way you think is not the way that God thinks isn't that what he he taught Samuel he had to teach Samuel the way that that you look for a king is not the way that God looks for a king see you're looking at the outward appearance but God is looking at the heart so Jesus was educating his disciples that the way that you view things is not the way that God views things. The world sets up worldly things to determine who is the best or who is the greatest, but God is totally the opposite. God is looking at your willingness to still be obedient to God no matter who you think you are or no matter what you think you've accomplished, are you still able to be used by God? Some of us, we get to the point where we're, we're too pretty or we've done too much or we've gone through too much to now be used by God. It's time for somebody else to be used. Isn't that what we talked about this morning, Brother Curry? Because I've been here for 30 years. Now it's time for you to use somebody else. I shouldn't still be doing the same thing that I was doing 10 years ago right now because I have seniority within the church. I have seniority within the kingdom. So now it's time for the newcomers to put in some work. It's time for those that are younger than me to put in some work. And sometimes that's how we feel within the body of Christ. But Jesus is letting his disciples know no matter what you've done, no matter who you think you are, no matter how long you've been around, you still have to humble yourself. You still have to be willing to come as one of these little children. But he tells them that, that now that one is willing to come as a child. He's basically saying, you know, all of us, we, we age every year. You know, we get one year older every year. We celebrate birthdays every year. So at some point, we're not able to be a child as far as age is concerned. But all of us, we go through a stage where we can go back to being a child spiritually. Some of us, we go through so much that the world has put so much on us that we've walked away from God, that we've thrown up our hands and we've said, I don't believe in whatever and now we got to go back to being a child. We got to go back to receiving God all over again. And that's what Jesus is saying. Those of you that are willing to change yourself, those of you that are willing to be converted, to be childlike, those of you can be great. Those of you can, can come up into the kingdom and be who God wants you to be. 
but he also instructed them that, that you have to be willing to receive someone that is coming like a child. Yeah, they won't look like a child, but they're a child at heart. They're a child in the mind, all because they are fresh to the kingdom. They're fresh to this spiritual journey. So you, you have to be willing to receive this person. And he says, whoever receives this person receives me. But then on the flip side, he says, some of you, you, you won't receive that person. Some of you, you will offend that person. And if you offend that person, basically, he said, it would be better if you weren't even born. What you're going to go through, it, 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 would, be, it would be better for you to find, find yourself being drowned in the depths of the sea. All because you have offended somebody that I told to come. Somebody has come in the way that I have instructed them to come, but you in your worldly ways have decided that that person wasn't good enough, that that person wasn't smart enough, that that person wasn't godly enough to be able to come unto me. And he's saying, I know it's going to happen. Offenses have to come. Traps have to come. Stumbling blocks, they have to take place in this world. He said, but woe unto the person by which that offense comes. Woe unto the person by which that stumbling block comes. All I came to tell you this, this, this morning, Mount Sinai, is we ought not be that stumbling block. We, we cannot be those people or we cannot be that place that when those that are childlike come into the fold, we shouldn't be the one that set up traps before them. We shouldn't be the ones that set up stumbling blocks before them. You know, we set up things based on our laws and our prerequisites. That's how we, why we see people that will say, I'm going to come to God when I get myself together. Who are you getting yourself together for? Most of the time, we're getting ourselves together for man. I got to get the right dress. I got to get the right hairdo. I got to take off some things or put on some things in order to be able to sit in the midst of this congregation. I got too many pairs of ripped jeans to be able to go to church. I got to change my wardrobe in order to go to church. I don't have enough ties, bro, Curry. I don't have enough cologne to go to that church. So when I get myself together, then I'm going to go to that church. And you say, well, we don't have a law that says that your dress has to be this long. And we don't have a law that says your hair has to be this color. But we do some things that signify to people that you have to look a certain way in order to fit in. Because we praise people for the way that they look. So that tells some others, if you don't look the way that the person that they praise look, then you're not worthy to be in here. You're not worthy of the same sort of praise. God is not willing to use you if you got a couple of streaks in your hair. God is not willing to use you if you got an earring in your nose or if you're a male and you got some earrings in your ear. God is not able to use you. So now, we set up stumbling blocks. Now we cause people to turn and go back into the world because they thought this was a place that I could come as I am. But now I see that who I am and what I am is not worthy to be amongst the people of God. 
So they go back out into the street. They, they go back out into the gangs. They go back out into those places that seek to kill and destroy them. And then we sit in the church and we wonder why people are going to hell in the handbasket. We wonder why every time we turn on the news, the perpetrators are becoming younger and younger. Because when they were supposed to be doing an Easter speech, you told them their clothes weren't right. You told them that their hair was too high. You told them that they had to take their earrings out or cut the dreads off. You told them that their skirt needed to be a little longer, but the streets told them, just come on with me. The, the world told them, I got a job for you. And if you do the job right, you'll get paid. And if you get caught, you won't do too much time. The world is teaching them how to fit in. But then we deem some people to be unimportant. That's why we're looking at what we're looking at in Sunday school. It, it, it's titled calling people out of the margins. People that society have said are not important. And society will tell you at a certain age, you're no longer important. You're either too old or you're too young to operate within society. Those are the people that God is calling into his kingdom. God doesn't care how young you are. God can use you. It is something when God can use a little child to make an example to some grown people. Jesus used the little child to show his disciples this is how you ought to come. You, you ought to be willing to come to me like this little child. You know, some of us, if Jesus would have called us to come sit in the midst of the disciples, we would have said, why are you calling me? What, what, what you going to do? Why, why I got to sit in the middle of everybody? Why I can't sit in the circle with everybody else? Why I got to be in the middle? If he would have called some of us, we would have had some questions for Jesus. But when Jesus called the little child, the little child came and sat in the midst of the disciples. Don't you know we got to be just like a little child? A little child without question. They believe whatever somebody grown tells them. Isn't it something how you can tell a child that if you lose a tooth, you can put it under the pillow and somebody's going to come and give you some money and children believe it. They believe it because somebody told them, but then when they lift up the pillow, they find some green under the pillow that replaces that white tooth. So now, when that person tells them something else, that child is quick to believe. But it takes relationship, and it takes valuing the person that you're in a relationship with. So children, they value the adults in their life. They value the people that, that have the ability to shape and mold their future. And that adult can tell a child to run through that wall and the child will try their best to make it through that wall. Because if my grandmama told me I can do it, then I can do it. If my mama told me or my daddy told me I can do it, I can do it. So they value what's said by the people in their lives. They value the adults that are in charge of them. Children, they love 
without question. Isn't it something that you can find two kids in a sandbox that don't know anything about each other, but they will help one another build and they will help one another collect. It doesn't matter what skin color they are. It doesn't matter who their parents are. It doesn't matter what they drove up in to get to the park. All that matters is that we're in this sandbox and we got a common goal. But some of us, we, we, we set up stumbling blocks. We tell them, oh, you can't play with him. He's the wrong color. Oh, you can't play with her. Her mama with her dresses too high up. You can't play with them because I saw the rims on the car when they rolled up. And we teach children how to ostracize people. We, we teach our children how, how to clam up and not be bothered with other people. Now, I'm not saying let your child run around with any and everybody, but you got to teach them you can love people and not do what they do. You can be concerned about people and not act the way that they act. When it's time to go rob the liquor store, you go this way and let them go that way. You can still love those people because some of those people are in your family. Some of those people have love for you, but you got to understand there's a way that I need to behave that's not like the way that you behave. But I don't have to cut you off. I can still love you. That's what children understand. Children love without measure. But children without question, they know how to forgive. Let me tell you, it trips me out on a daily basis when I get a seven-year-old that comes to me and say, you know, she's bullying me. She's saying this about me. She's saying that about me. And that takes place from about 920 to 1025. Somewhere alone, walking to this class and walking back and being in that class, somebody has bullied you. But at 11.15, when it's time to, time to go to lunch, I see you sitting down with the very person you said was bullying you and y'all sharing chips. And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't I tell y'all to separate? Didn't I tell y'all not to be around each other because she was bullying you? She said, you, you still talking about that? That was so long ago. No, it was just a few minutes ago. But they forgiven that easily. Oh, we friends again. We forgot all about that. She apologized. And now I want to share my chips with her. But they're looking at me like I'm trying to keep them from being friends. You're trying to put a wedge between us. No, you came and complained to me. But that's children. Children forgive and then they move past it. But here we are as adults. We got to remember who we're upset with. We got to remember who we're not supposed to speak to. We're trying to remember why we don't like somebody because of what they did 20 years ago. And here children are moving carefree along their day. Something happened 10 minutes ago and they forgot all about it. But as adults, we don't want people to join the church because I remember what you did to me in high school. I don't want God to bless you. I can't pray for you because I still remember you still owe me some money. I remember how you talked about me when I was in a similar situation. So I can't pray for you. But God is asking us to be childlike. And God is asking us not to... to deter or not to poison those that have that same childlike spirit. I don't care how badly you've been hurt in the church. Don't discourage others 
from coming to church. I don't care how things have not gone right in your life. Don't discourage others from coming to God. Don't discourage others from trusting in God. See, children, they, they just act without question. How many times as a child or how many times have you seen a child that will just jump and do something without thinking about the consequences of their actions? But they see something and they act upon it immediately. You know, some of us, we rode our bikes in ways that we wouldn't even think about doing right now. I can remember riding a bike and standing up on the seat and trying to guide the bike down the street, but now we wouldn't even dream of doing such a thing. But as a child, if we thought it was fun, we did what we thought was fun. We, we acted upon those impulses that we had. That's what God wants us to do. When the Spirit puts it on your heart to speak to somebody, you ought to just speak without thinking about, well, what if I speak to them and they don't speak back? Oh, well, I told you to speak. It doesn't matter if they speak back. It doesn't matter if they nod their head when you say something. I just asked you to speak to the person. I asked you to forgive the person. Don't go through all the what ifs and what nots. All I need you to do is do what I'm asking you to do. Do what I'm commanding you to do. But sometimes we, we, we allow the worldly things to enter in. We allow our life experiences to enter in and keep us from acting upon what God is telling us to do. But children, Children just act. Children just do whatever they come up in their mind to do. I have to tell children all the time, whatever's going to make you happy in this classroom, don't do it. Because most of the time, what's going to make you happy is going to get you in trouble. Because it's something that you ought not be doing at this time. Yeah, I know that piece of paper looks real good, but don't you fold it and make an airplane because that's going to get you in trouble but they act upon what they feel and what they think will make them happy. We gotta be willing to act according to what will make God happy. God is not going to give you a thought that is going to upset him. God is not going to allow the spirit to put something on your heart that would be displeasing to God. Whatever falls on your heart from the spirit comes from God. So what comes from God will bless God. So therefore, we ought not try to think of reasons to get out of doing what God is asking us to do. We ought to be willing to go through the fire for the God that is our Lord and Savior. But then children, they're able to be concerned about others. Children, you, you, you know, it doesn't matter how much money they don't have, children are willing to share with their friends. Children are willing to share with others. I see it all the time. Children that don't have much, they will give the little that they have. I can remember one of my children asking me, you know, how much money do you have? And I had to tell him that that's none of your business. And I said, why do you need to know how much money I have? He said, because I have a friend that wants to go on the field trip. But my friend said that his daddy doesn't have the money to, to send him on the field trip. But I want my friend to be with me on the field trip. So can you pay for me and my friend to go on the field trip? And here I'm sitting there like, no, I don't have the money, but 
I, I guess I got to do what I've been preaching. I guess I got to do what I've been teaching you. You, you. you said ask and you can have. You, you said whatever you want. Let it be known. So I got to reach in my pocket and try to pay for somebody else's child to be able to go on the field trip. But God is a good God, Brother Curry. When I went to pay for the field trip, the teacher said his daddy was able to find the money. You just got to be willing to do what God is asking you to do. Now, I didn't want to do it, but I was willing to do it because my son wanted his friend to go on the field trip with him. But God is so good that even though I was willing, God had already taken care of it. But sometimes we miss the blessing because we're trying to figure out, Lord, you know I got to pay MLGNW tomorrow. You, you know I need some gas in my car and gas is so high. Right now gas and rent cost about the same thing. Lord, I can't afford to send somebody else's child on a field trip. I've been crying and snotting and praying about how I'm going to send mine to the zoo. Now he want me to pay for somebody else. God is saying you just got to be willing to do what I'm asking you to do. Don't, don't worry about all the if, ands, and the buts. God is going to take care of all of that. God just needs you to be a willing participant. But we got to understand sometimes the way we introduce God to people has a lasting impact on how they see God. Sometimes in our lives, I, I don't know, I've seen it and I've heard about it, but some people will introduce their children to the police in the wrong way. Some people, in order to control their children, they'll say, you better sit down or I'm going to get that police officer to take you to jail. You better stop making noise in this restaurant or I'm going to get that security guard to come over here and he going to take out his gun and he going to make you sit down and we introduce them the wrong way and we wonder why they don't have good relationships with authority. We wonder why they only view authority as a source of punishment. We tell children, if you don't go to church, God going to get you. If you don't say your prayers, God going to get you. Then we can't understand why they don't see God as a loving God. See, if you introduce God as a loving God, then they'll see God as a loving God. They'll see God as a God that will never fail them. But when you tell them, if you don't go to church, God going to strike you down. You know, there's some children still waiting to be struck down. That's why they hadn't come out the house yet because somebody told them that God was going to strike them down. We got to introduce God the right way. If we introduce him the wrong way, then we're setting up a stumbling block. We got to let them know that God is concerned about you. No matter how bad you mess up, just like the prodigal son, you can still come home. Your God is a God that treats his servants well. So how much better will he treat a son or a daughter? We got to introduce God the right way. See, I, I, the way that stuff is introduced to us, it dictates how we engage with those things. Some of us, we hate to read because reading was a source of punishment. Anytime we messed up, somebody told us, now go in your room and read a book. Go sit down and read a book. So every time we see a book, that there's a, a level of resentment that comes up when we look at, I don't want to read all of that. That's too many words on that page because we were told that a book 
was punishment. We were never told that a, a book could take you places. We were never told that a book, it could be a source of enjoyment. But with the television, that's the way it was introduced to us. Sit here and watch this TV show. Sit here and, and watch Sesame Street and all of these other things and it will entertain you. It was introduced to us in a way that has had a lasting effect on the way we engage with it. It should be the same way with God. We ought not tell people about the doom and gloom of God. If you tell me that God is going to get me for stepping out of line, then I don't want to get in line in the first place. I'd rather stay over here and deal with whatever comes from the world. But you're telling me if I get in line with God, the minute I step out of line, then God is going to get me. I'd rather not get in that line. I'd rather not join his army in the first place. But then we wonder why. People don't want to come to church. People don't want to come to God. and we, 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 we condemn them from not coming to God, but we introduce God in the wrong way. See, you, you, you can't expect somebody to want to date your sister when, when you introduce her as a no good dog and she always lying and she always stealing and all of that. You can't expect your friend to want to hook up with your sister and that's the way that you introduced her. But when you introduce her the right way, now somebody might be interested. It's the same way with God. We can't introduce God as a hateful God. We can't introduce God as a God that will punish for the slightest misstep. When we introduce God that way, it's hard for people to see God as a loving God. But see, with a child, a child just knows that I love God and I'm going to do whatever to make God happy. Isn't that the way it is with your children and your grandchildren? They just want to make you happy. They just want to do stuff to please you. They do all kind of tricks in your presence. Look, grandmama, I can stand on one hand. Look, grandmama, I can do a split. Children do whatever they think will be pleasing to you because they value what you think. They value what you say. It's the same way with God. If we're introduced to God the right way, then we care about what God thinks about us. We don't worry about if somebody's able to tap us on the shoulder and catch us in our mess just to know that God can see me is enough to keep me from going down the wrong path. But we got to be introduced to God in the right way. And then once we are introduced to God in the right way, we got to understand that his promise is his promise. See, children, they, they have this ability to believe no matter what happens. Children will believe that daddy is coming to get them no matter how many times daddy never showed up. They still believe that daddy is coming to get me. And to show you that they believe, they keep looking out the window to see when daddy is coming. They sit on the porch and they look at every car that goes past because they know at some point Daddy is coming. The coach of the University of Memphis, Penny Hardaway, he said when his mama left him, every time he saw a car come to his grandmother's house, he thought it was his mama 
coming back to get him. He never gave up hope that one day my mama is going to come back to get me. He always believed that one day she was going to put down what she was doing and come back and pick him up. Children have an ability to believe no matter what comes from the world. It's the same way with us. I don't care what you've gone through. Your promises of God are bigger than your problem of your problems. God's promise is bigger than your predicament. God's promise ought to be a priority on your list because whatever he said, he will do. We can't allow the world to keep us from believing what God said. If God says he will be with you, it doesn't matter what you've done. As long as you call on the name of God, God is able to still be with you. If God says he will forgive you, it doesn't matter what you've done. If you still have breath in your body and you ask for forgiveness, God is faithful to forgive you. See, you got to be like that child who every time his parents was getting ready to go out, that child would ask his parents, Mama, Daddy, where are you going? And in order to keep him seated, the parents would say, we're going to see a man about a dog. But every time the parents came back, they never came with a dog. But every time the parents got ready to go, they pacified the child by telling them, we're going to see a man about a dog. And the child was always looking for the dog when his parents came back. And even now that he's grown, the, the child still doesn't understand why he never got a dog. He still doesn't understand all the times you went to see a man about a dog. You mean to tell me he never had the right dog. He never had a dog that was worthy of coming back with you. He sold out of dogs every time y'all went to get a dog. But the child never stopped believing. You got to be the same way with God. When God tells you he's going to see a man about a dog, you ought to be standing there waiting for your dog. And I don't care how many times you don't get that dog, you still got to be waiting for him to come back with a dog. You can't allow the world to tell you what God can't do. You can't allow the world to tell you that you're too messed up for God to forgive, that, that you're too lowly for God to use that you're not educated enough for God to do something through you. You're not tall enough for God to use you as an influence in this world. You're not the right color for God to be able to speak through you. You don't have enough money to be able to give to God and God will be pleased. You got to understand if he promised it, God will deliver. So you got to be just like that child whose parents told him they were going to see a man about a dog. You got to believe exactly what's being said. And you got to be foolish enough to stand there and wait on the dog every time. But see, sometimes what we do in life, we said you didn't come back with the dog last time. So I'm not going to believe it this time. I'm going to go run away and do what I want to do. And then when you get the dog, you come get me. No, with God, we got to stand there and believe exactly what God has said. If God said he'll be with us through the fire, you got to be willing to go through the fire. If God says he'll be with us through the flood, you got to be willing to go 
through the flood. Don't wait until you see God in the flood and then you run to catch up with God. You got to be willing to go through the flood knowing that God is right there by your side. Go through the fire knowing that God is right there with you. You got to understand, you have to have the belief. You have to have the childlike qualities that God can do anything but fail. My God is bigger than whatever I go through. My God is bigger than anything that the world could ever throw at me. There's a child right now whose parent or grandparent is scheduled to fight somebody else's parent or grandparent all because they feel like my parent can whoop anybody. My daddy can beat your daddy. My grandmama can beat up your grandmama. And grandmama, you got to fight when your child go back to school after spring break and you don't even know it. All because your child believes in you just that much. So you ought to tell depression, my God is bigger than you. My God God is going to beat depression up. My God is going to beat stress up. My God is going to beat anxiety up. My financial problems, you don't stand a chance because my God is greater than you. You might have me at zeros with a negative sign in front of it, but my God got more zeros than you got. My, my God got a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. You, you might have a number on me, but what my God has is infinite. What my God has is greater than anything that the world can put on me. So you got to trust in the promises of God. But then you got to be able to receive those that God tells you to receive. Don't be the one to set up a stumbling block. Because if you do, it says that you would be better to not be born. It would be better for you to go ahead and just drown in the depths of the sea. But if you're able to welcome and you're able to receive those with those childlike qualities, then God is able to receive you. You're able to receive God. You're able to believe that God can change and use anyone. That's how we have to look at one another. It's something special about each and every one of us. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care where you live now. I don't care where you work. I don't care if you got fired from your job. God is still able to use you. There is still something special about you, but you got to know that there's something special about other people. Somebody is coming with those childlike qualities. Don't be the one that sends them back to the world because the world is waiting with open arms. We ought to be waiting with open arms also. Somebody's coming here for refuge. Somebody's coming here for guidance. Somebody's coming here for nurturing. And we have to be those people that God calls us to be. We got to be willing to nurture. We got to be willing to guide somebody. Even though you don't like what they look like, where they're going, you got to be able to guide them and help them to change their direction. We got to be who God has commanded us to be. And God has commanded us to be loving. He has commanded us to be forgiving. And he has commanded us to be childlike at all times. We got to humble ourselves and know that the God that we serve, his will is always greater than our will. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.